Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? Evening Wolves fans, little Dan here with the latest Wolves fancast match preview episode. By the end of this episode, me and Eddie said before the show, tonight's going to be all about positivity. But if Jeff Shee hasn't handed in his resignation by the end of this show, <laughs> heads will roll one way or another. Thanks for joining us tonight, as I said, on the Wolves fancast. Follow us at Wolves fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and hopefully you'll subscribe to uh, the channel by the end of this show. On tonight's show, I've got Eddie from at Wolves Shirts, at Wolves Football Shirts on Instagram, uh, Josh Lem, and new guest who's joining us tonight, Tommy, who I can see is still on mute and just uh, unmuted himself. How are you going, Tom? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, really good to be here. I don't have any of the social media, got rid of it, so I'm low profile, but yeah, thanks for having me. That's it, avoid the toxicity, Tom. I like your style there. It's been another big week, another frustrating week for Wolves. Uh, the latest sort of rumours coming out from social media this week is that Ruben Neves looks to be edging closer to uh, exit in January with Barcelona still leading the race. Uh, talks of a fee less than 50 million. Also talks of an option loan, loan move of an option to buy. Uh, I'm going to come to you first on that, Josh. What's your thoughts on Neves going out on loan with an option to buy in uh, January? Oof, I just, I can't believe it. I, I hope it's not true. You know, you think we'd learnt from the Adama saga, but quite clearly we haven't. And Mr. Sellers once again is gonna, you know, make himself the bad guy as per. So, but no, I just can't believe it. <laughs> What's your thoughts on uh, Neves to Barcelona, Eddie? It seems like it's going to be a move that happens sooner or later. Barcelona seems to be lining him up to replace Sergio Busquets, but it's all about getting the right fee now for Ruben Neves, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's interesting, Dan, because it's something that's kind of been met with a lot of Wolves fans are kind of quite understanding, I think, about that possibility. Um, certainly the ones that I've spoken to, a lot of you know fans are very grateful for Neves and what he's done for the club and how long he's been here and didn't expect him to be here that long. And it seemed like uh, last summer, you know, the plan was for him to leave. And he obviously said his emotional goodbye at the end of last season. And then for whatever reason, whether it was Barca couldn't sell De Jong, um, the young didn't want to go, you know, they didn't get the money and they couldn't they couldn't bring him in. So I think it's kind of been on the cards, hasn't it, for a long time. But you can't say that he hasn't played with his heart on his sleeve, hasn't played a lot of fight for us this season, you know, even though he knows that that's coming up. So I don't I don't really think anyone anyone could blame him for for leaving. I think it'd be obviously a great opportunity for him, but it would be, you know, terrible for Wolves Football Club to lose our best player mid-season and the thought of it being an option to buy is is insulting i mean i don't know who's i don't know who's pulling the strings like is it sellers or or she or mendez but it, an option to buy for a player like ruben neves um for a club in the you know relegation zone as we are would just be a madness pure madness 
it would literally sum up the current uh, running of our club, wouldn't it, Tom? What's your thoughts on on Ruben Neves leaving? Do you, do you think he checked out in the summer at all, uh, Tom? Or what do you think of him being still captain if he looks like he's adamant that he wants to go? Is he, is he the right fit for captain currently? To be honest, lads, I'm surprised he's actually still here all these years later because I think he is an absolute stellar player. Um, I think he's probably reflective of the times that we're in. He's probably shown a sense of loyalty to stick with us. I say stick with us when we're seventh and you're pushing, you know, you look at him and think, actually, could he play for a top six club? Arguably, yes. But how much will they have to pay for him, right? So when you're seventh and you're, you're on that, um, that border just below trying to get into those top six spots, absolutely. But when you're in a club like us, which is kind of in free fall, you've probably, you know, you've got players leaving, um, all around and the style of playing. You know, right, when you're a top player and he's at training sessions, he's probably thinking, you can tell, right, that you're just a different calibre. You know, the, the club's going downhill. So in terms of the captaincy, should he have it? Well, who else would have it in this given moment? Who are the leaders that are left? You know, for me, Cody, even big personality. You know, we even with John Ruddy, yes, he didn't play, but when you lose these big personalities and the real core and the, the, the spine of the club behind the scenes, you know, if you, if you take it off Neves, who arguably within that team is rolling their sleeves up and getting stuck in? I'm going to throw you up the wall, Josh, and ask you to answer that question. If if Ruben Neves isn't captain, sure. sort of, so, who's the next one in line? Obviously, the start of the season, he looked like Bruno Large had made uh, Max Kilman the vice-captain. But where are the leaders currently in this dressing room for you, Josh? Well, I think that's the problem. There isn't none. And, uh, you know, just expanding on the Kilman point a little bit with the with what you're saying is I don't think Kilman is vice-captain material. I think Kilman's biggest problem isn't his ability to play football. It's the mentality. I don't think he's got, I don't know, you look at him and I think he's a little bit weak mentally when the going gets tough, things like that. You know, he doesn't look vice-captain material to me. I wouldn't know who you give it to, really. It's so hard because there just is such lack of leadership like, you know, and don't forget as well, we have got quite an inexperienced squad in terms of, I think, at the start of the season, it was about third or fourth youngest team on top of, you know, when you think Matina bumped fell up quite a lot as well. So it's really hard to see. They need a, you know, I think we need to try and keep Nevers for at least the rest of the season, if we can. Obviously, that depends on Mendes and Cole. And we need to rebuild in the summer. We need a couple of leaders in, it, I mean, but we do not leave. We're going to be in so, so hard to say. Massively difficult situation for the club at the moment. Go on, Tom. But that just that that whole concept that what you've just said that sentence that's what's for me so laughable about how far we've come because now we're arguing we need leaders. Well, we had some good leaders. We're talking about Kilman being vice captain. His performances have dropped. For me, yes, I you know if you want to go to a back four, I understand the arguments about taking you know can Cody playing a back four. Arguably, he is doing that at Everton and doing it quite well. Under, under the right management, Kilman's performances without Cody and his leadership have dropped quite, quite, you know, and I think it's it's a knock-on effect of that. So when you have, arguably, central defenders are usually peak at about 28 years old. And the reason for that is just that, you know, the position and the maturity and the pressure that you're under within, you know, within that position. So as vice-captain, I would say absolutely not strip that away from him. Let him do what he, he does best and he needs an experienced defender next to him. 
I got David Walsh in the comments section saying Nathan Collins is captain material, is already captain Stoke, but no way he's ready for it, which shows how bad the situation is that I've even mentioned him. Uh, Dean Collins also mentioning Nathan Collins. Nathan Collins is the only one fronting up, so I would likely uh, be him, even though he's just a young lad. Like Josh says, there just isn't many options at all. I've tried to give Bruno Lars a lot of leniency with his um, with the striker injury troubles and sort of lack of options that he's had. But as, as much as we can all spend days upon days talking about how bad Jeff Shea and Scott Sellers are at the moment. Bruno Large is massively culpable for, for gutting the dressing room of the leaders and why we're in this situation. Um, Playing-wise at the moment, we could sp we spend so much money in the summer. The club, rightfully so, backed Bruno Large to try and embed uh, the evolution that he was trying to, to lay out with going to a back four, getting rid of what... He classed as sort of the the, the the leaders of the dressing room, like you mentioned, Woody, Cody, Sace, uh, Dendonka. But it's just massively bit the club on the arse. And a massive reset needs to happen there. But this is just the worst time of the season um, for us to be dealing with this situation. Uh, the other sort of news that came out um, before we started the show tonight was Wolves are now actively searching for an outstanding candidate if they became available. <laughs> on the back of the 4-0 defeat against Leicester. Also, Liam Keane mentioned that Unai Emery has recently taken over at Aston Villa as uh, was never on the Wolves' radar for the outstanding candidate role that they were advertising on LinkedIn and whatever daft websites <laughs> I believe they were trying to use to get a good manager in. What's your thoughts on um, Unai Emery not being on Wolves' radar already? Well, I mean, I mean you, you see a club like Villa who obviously... In this regard, you know, a bit a quite well run, you know, manager searches are something that should be should happen behind closed doors. I mean, you saw it with Spurs, didn't you, a couple of years ago? It's just embarrassing when you see a club publicly go for manager after manager after manager, and then they turn them down. And you know, Emery Emery would have been in place before Gerard went. Simple as that. Simple as that. And we should have been in the same position. We shouldn't have been letting Large go without someone lined up. Whether there was this obviously Lopetegui's dad and the situation with him not wanting to leave Spain at the moment. You know, maybe that's unforeseen, but for whatever reason, we didn't have anyone lined up. And it's, uh, yeah, it's made us look uh, a bit of a shambles, really. Um, and, you know, Emery is a quality manager. Um, you can't doubt his record, certainly in Europe. And he would have been, uh, you know, obviously he can speak Spanish. I'm sure he'd, ha he'd try his hand at Portuguese. I think he would have been a good fit. Um, for the club and uh, yeah as I say it's a bit of embarrassment really that he's he's gone to Villa and he, we weren't even considering him a laughable situation Tom what's your, your sort of feelings on um on, on Jeff Shea Scott Sellers at the moment Tom where where do you stand on who's the uh the the main protagonist of our downfall or is, is Scott Sellers just a villain behind Jeff Shea pulling the strings how long have you got um I think he's just the four. He's the four guy. He's the yes man. We're you know we're arguing about Unai Emery and getting him in. I would expect a manager of that ilk, that calibre, would want full control, full say over what he's doing, or at least a large chunk. If you're going to have managers that are that are those outstanding candidates, they're obviously going to have their set demands in a good way because they know what it takes to get a football team on that elite performance, and those managers are few and far between. But I think to answer your actual question. I think it's I think it's probably a knock-on effect. I think Frozen have probably looked at it. I know we spent money, um, arguably, but I think it's, it's more just about Mendez's clients recycling that money. 
Um, and in terms of Scott Sellers, he's fundamentally, all they want is a yes guy. You know, Scott's, Scott Sellers is probably just doing exactly what he's he's told to do. He won't rock the boat. Um, so it's just where the actual blame lies is, is anyone's guess, but it's going to definitely, these things trickle from the top down. And I know get, taking it away back to Nuno's days, you, you heard those rumbling towards the end in terms of, you know, we, you know, with that transfer budget, we're not going to invest. You know, we're going to have to resell players to get money in. Then we go two years forward and then we're giving a manager who arguably did have a small bounce. And I know we were six, but then we went into absolute free fall with no real proven track record. But a previous manager had this back to back to seventh to then give 120 million to. So I just think that it just looks like you're making it up as you go along, you know, and especially when you're a fan and you're super passionate about it. Um, you know, it hits home a little bit harder. And it's always easy to say, right, afterwards, to look back and say, well, you could have done this differently. But there have been so many decisions that you just look back and think, really, what, 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 is, the actual, what is the actual goal here? To, you know, again, strip out the backbone of the club with the leaders, completely change the system. And we're talking about the best football league in the world here. This isn't easy. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's just mind-blown, really. But where the blame actually lies, arguably... Jeff Sheehan with Scott, it's got to be. Yeah, uh, for the audio listeners out there tonight, um, Tom, our new guest, has got a pumpkin behind him. And Stu in the comments section has said, Tom's, pum- <laughs> Tom's pumpkin would have more football knowledge than Jeff Shee. Um, drop a like in the in the, in the the bottom left hand of your screen if you agree, because I think there's going to be a lot of Jeff Shee uh, negativity. Now, I was going to say slander, but most of it, I believe, is going to be quite justified. Um one of the sort of rumours that came out yesterday was during Wolves' uh, open training session at Molyneux that Diego Costa appeared to limp off at the end of the training session. That would literally sum up our current plight, wouldn't it, Josh? I think the phrase, when is it going to end, Robbie, just like springs to mind straight away. You know, it's unbelievable. But am I right in thinking it happened last year on the Halloween like training session, someone went off injured? I can't remember who it was, but oh, or was it Kilman? They had one towards the end of the season, like an open training session at the training ground that I'm thinking of, and he got injured then. But it, it just feels so typical. Like it just it sums up this season. <laughs> what do you say? It's just so typical. Um, it just means at the weekend they've got to go into play like pedants at the number nine or something like that. And you, you already knew the weekend was going to be back to the wall. You know, eleven men beyond the ball. Do not give anything stupid away. And then you look, if Costa is injured, then what chance do we have? What chance really do we stand? Due to the mountain of fire that's currently surrounding Molyneux, I hadn't even considered Poland as a false nine on Saturday and I already feel <laughs> sick again. It's just going to be an, another frustrating day, just, isn't it? I mean, obviously, hopefully it was just a bit of precaution from uh, Diego Costa just to, to call the training session short and he'll be good to go what have you sort of made to Diego Costa since he's uh, started featuring Eddie well he's I mean he's uh, I, you want to be positive you know there are certainly moments aren't there that, that he, he's shown you know touches and but movement you know getting in the right positions but he's just been that half a step behind hasn't he you know he just seems a little bit like yesterday's man and you see it with Moutinho um, certainly the last couple of years, it just takes him longer and longer to build into the season. And, you know, maybe, you know, 10, 15 games in, he starts to get to pace. So that's what we've got to hope with Costa. We've got to give, you know, hope 
10 at 10 15 games in you know he'll start he'll start firing all cylinders because he's had so long outside of football and we obviously are so desperate for a striker that he's been he's been thrown in he's starting and he should start you know we don't have anyone else we should be starting him um but it's a lot it's a lot for him and he's off you know he's obviously off the pace he's not the player he was um can he get there we've just got to be optimistic and, and hope that he can get there Let's uh, quickly move on to the weekend's fixtures in the Premier League. Leicester Man City kicks off the weekend at 12.30 on BT Sport. Brentford Wolves is at 3 o'clock along with Bournemouth versus Tottenham and Brighton against uh, Chelsea. Based on the 4-0 uh, outfoxing Leicester gave us last weekend, Josh, how do you, how do you see Leicester faring up against Man City? Well... They might have outfoxed us as you know, quite like the pun, but you still fancy him to get battered by City, don't you? You know, you're looking good. I mean, the only we're absolutely horrid and they still only put four shots against us. You know, they can't be that good. <laughs> Although we did lose four 0 so it feels a bit like mm. that's it, yeah. Um Newcastle are a club that are greatly aggravating me on a daily basis at the moment because they remind me so much of Wolves after we got promoted, they've got such a momentum that's carrying them at the moment that they're what you class as just I don't want to say bang average players, but where's how's where's Miguel Almiron come from to, to turn into this form? It's it's just ridiculous. The the fan base ever since Mike Ashley sold up and Eddie Eddie turned into some prime Mourinho. It's just so aggravating to see at the moment watching us as well. Um, what fixtures stand out for you on the on the weekend, Tom? Uh, in turn, well, obviously, Brentford Wolves was sitting there with my head in my hands, <laughs> going, uh, <laughs> feeling very frustrated and, and lobbing things across the room. Um, but putting that aside, I think Liverpool Leeds could be a juicy one, and I think, particularly if you know, if Leeds could do, I mean, at Anfield, right, it's going to be super, super difficult. I know you said as well the form of Leeds at the moment, but again, with their fan base and doing doing Liverpool over Anfield from from a personal level, I would uh, I would quite enjoy that. Um, and I always think you know United West Ham could be quite a juicy one uh, fixture as well. Um, but yeah, I mean arguably as well, you've got Brighton and uh, Potter returning, Potter returning to Brighton with with his new uh, his head to head with his uh, you know it's a very similar system to what he he was doing, but. Um, to be honest, when Wolves have been free fall like this, it's hard to get excited about football. I don't know about you, lot, but you know, kind of, I'm watching it, but I'm watching it thinking, why can't we do that? You know, you mentioned Newcastle, and you're saying, you know, it's, it's like we went up because they've got a plan. We have no plan. We make it up as we go along. So they've got a good manager. They've got a set plan. Going through the, you know, the motions, and they're going to invest at the right time to keep developing the squad. And it's exactly what we're not doing. But yeah. You mentioned the form table uh, a minute ago. Hopefully, you can see that on your screens now. Uh, the bottom three in the Premier League table at the moment in regards to uh, form leads at the bottom. They've lost five out of the last six, drawing one. Obviously, Wolves have won one out of the last six, lost all the others. And then Brentford, which has massively surprised me in regards to form. We've got Lewis the Cog Coughlin, uh, who's joining us from the Besotted Podcast. How are you, Lewis? I think he may be on mute. No, yeah, he is. How are you going, Lewis? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Can you hear me okay? 
Yeah, yes, right. Thanks for coming on. Obviously, part of the Besotted podcast. I just mentioned there, Brentford's form hasn't been great. It's it's been a massive sort of fall. Did it coincide after that Man United romping, or has it been after that? Yeah, it's been since then. So uh, <clears throat> we, I mean, we got really badly turned over at the weekend at Villa Park, uh, and a couple of games before then, we got. Uh, you know, just outplayed by Arsenal. So we're, we're, we're probably, I mean, we're a couple of players short at the moment. So Pontus Janssen, our skipper's out. Our best player, Christian Norgard, has been out for at least half a dozen games. He may be back on Saturday, not sure yet. Uh, but we're really, we've really been quite badly exposed, particularly in defence. But having said that, you know, we got a good point at home against Chelsea, which arguably, you know, we certainly had the better chances uh, and should have won that game. We were hanging on at the end, but uh, we outplayed them for for most of the 90 minutes. Uh, And we uh, got a 2-0 win. I'm trying to think who that was against, actually, Uh, in the previous game. It was... Brighton, wasn't it? It was Brighton, that's right. And they were, you know, to get four points out of those two games was uh, better than we expected, uh, particularly after the the debacle in in, uh, Newcastle when we lost uh, 5-1. You know, so we've we've just been like horribly inconsistent uh, in recent weeks. Uh, Pretty good at home, apart from against Arsenal. uh, Shocking away. But I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we're that down the form t- that far down the form table. But I knew we'd be in the bottom half. But uh, yeah, that's quite telling actually. Obviously, I think you had a bit of misfortune last Sunday. Um, Aston Villa sacking Steven Gerrard before your fixture. The, those players who have been sort of down in tools the last six to eight weeks on Gerrard really decided to put in a performance against you, didn't they? Yeah, they did. That they, they were just <clears throat> much much better than us, but it. Whereas the Newcastle game where we lost 5-1, that was just a series of shocking individual errors. And actually the the pattern of play wasn't bad. You know, apart from when we were giving them goals, we, were at, we actually matched them. We were really poor on, uh, on, on uh, Sunday, certainly the worst performance of the season. And that was quite worrying because it was from front to back, we were really average, giving the ball away not winning second balls, errors all over the place. So a lot of us were really worried after after the Villa performance. They, they were good, to be fair, but they weren't. we made them look like Man City or something, and they're certainly not at that level. I did mention just there that you had a bit of misfortune getting uh, Villa on the back of the Gerrard sacking. Uh, Josh, is there any team um, Brentford could have hoped for at home this weekend better than Wolves? <laughs> no, I don't think they could have had anyone else. It's just so perfect. Absolutely unreal. You know, it's like Durant down there, it's like picking me two blocks, Nicky misses out really at the weekend. It's oh you can just see it being a bit of a die game. See Brentford versus Wolves is uh three o'clock on Saturday. Drop a like in the bottom left if you're travelling down. Um Tom, what have you sort of made to to Brentford's start this season? Obviously a bit of bad run recently, but do you, do you feel do you feel there's a Maybe a bit of second season syndrome on the way for them. No, no. I was to be fair, I was surprised at the form guide 
um, that they're so low in terms of the foregoing. You know, I wouldn't say I'm a huge apologies, Lewis, massive Brentford follower to keep on top of absolutely everything um, that they're doing. Um, and I sound like a stuck record, but I think they've got a fantastic manager. I think, yes, you know, they've, you know, they've come up from the, the, the championship, the first season blown it completely out of the water. I know you're talking about second season syndrome, arguably. It's just a run of form. These things happen, especially especially when you've uh, you know you're new to the Premiership. It's unforgiving. You make one or two errors, and the, you know before you know it, the games the games run away with you. They've got arguably one of the best, well, I'd say the best, but one of the you know the top five strikers in the Premiership. Um, so you know, I think Brentford have done an absolute stellar job. It's not easy to come up, but I think a lot of it. It's a well-run club, and they've got. A manager, I, you know, I, I really, really rate as well. Um, it'll be interesting as well on a side note to see if there's any drones above the pitch this year to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to you have forgotten about that. Have a word with you, Lewis. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. sure, uh, we don't want any of that nonsense. No. You look at the league table there, Brentford in 11th uh, position with 14 points, just uh, two points behind uh, Liverpool in eighth. Wolves currently languishing, joint bottom with Nottingham Forest on nine points, but. A win for Wolves could help them jump out of the, the relegation zone. It is a, a massive game on Saturday, isn't it, Eddie? Uh, yeah, it's huge. And it's fair to say, um, you know, across every fan that's uh, watching the game or listening tonight, you know, a win would just do absolute, absolute wonders for the club at this point and the fans. I mean, and uh, I mean, to be, to be honest, I'm sure that... Uh, I'm sure Brentford are feeling the same way after after last game, and come and play and play against us. But you know we need we need a win. God, we'd love to see some goals. I mean, like we've already mentioned Ivan Tony, but he's. I mean, what Brentford they scored? They put five. You put five, Lewis, past the Leeds, didn't you? That was um, that's right. Yeah, a few weeks ago, we scored five goals all season. <laughs> <laughs> to put that in context, so. <laughs> You know, we are just, I mean, what's the best we can hope for? 1-0, but, you know, we take it. We take anything at this point. Um, but yeah, Brentford we, away we... was a um, a big win for Bruno Large's Wolves. Uh, I think he was maybe last January. Uh, Josh, what was your memories from that game apart from the drone? Uh, not many. It just, I think I remember the, uh, it was the Martino and Neves masterclass, wasn't it? And a bit, a little bit that shit house to go with it. You know, there is... They made the difference on the day and we had, you know, I think there was a lot of bad blood after the first game with the dark arts and stuff and yeah. Ray changed his gloves in the second half and stuff. So a lot of, you know, a bit of it spilled over from that. And it was, the thing is, it was like, you look back and that, our year peaked last January when we won four games in a month. That was the peak of our season. Then our year, it's like, Jesus Christ, that feels like such a long time ago. Uh, we've got Majestic T asking Brentford just missing a bit of composure. How how big has the loss of Christian Eriksen been, Lewis? And uh, give your dog a pat from me. Yeah, <laughs> it's next door neighbours actually. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> let me close this. Uh, yeah, I mean we were he he was certainly instrumental in keeping us up, and he brought a lot of quality to a team that was you know brand new to the Premier League. So, but actually, we started the season so well, including beating Man United with Ericsson 4 0. So he was quite quickly forgotten about. But I think as the season's moved on, particularly without Norgard in the centre of the park as well, 
we, we, we are feeling that, you know, he, he just brought such calmness as your, as your, uh, your, your uh, uh, fan there was saying, real calmness, real quality, uh, and just gave, in the same way as Ivan Tony does, just gave the team a, a little bit of extra belief, I think, that there was somebody in the 11 who was clearly top quality. Uh, so, yeah, he is a big miss. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I think we've, we've kind of moved beyond him. And uh, we just need to get a few results strung together and we'll forget all about him again. Uh, David Walsh uh, getting in the comments section. Uh, reckon Nathan Collins can keep <laughs> Ivan Tony quiet at the weekend. Uh, Costa to grab his first goal. Must get a bet builder on. What's your sort of thoughts on uh, Nathan Collins and Kilman coming up against um, Ivan Tony, Eddie? Um, well, it's interesting, actually. I wondered if we, you know, talk a little about, about the Wolves team and how we'd line up. Um, and I mean, in a second, my good friend. Yeah, well, this is it. It's, it's whether it's whether we're going to see the return of five at the back after last game because it's certainly something that uh, that I know a few fans have discussed. There's a someone who I know on Instagram has messaged me earlier saying, you know, bring it up, bring up five at the back. Um, you know, he wanted me to mention the possibility of Neves playing sweeper. I know that's a unpopular opinion, but that's something that he thought he thought might shore us up a bit. Uh, you know, with a sitting a bit further back. Not sure I necessarily agree, but I can understand. Um, you know, his, his thought process and his thinking and thinking. You know, let's think about some of the you know better results we've had over the past few years. You know, it has stemmed from being solid at the back, and maybe with what we could do with getting back again. Lewis, you sent me your was it preferred or likely lineup uh, for Saturday's game? You've got obviously David Rayer in goal. Uh, back four of Rico Henry, Ben Mee, Ethan Pinnock and Christian Ayer. Uh, midfield four of Damsgaard, Janelt, Janssen and De Silva with Mbumo just off Ivan Tony. You mentioned Norgard is a possibility on, on Saturday. He's, you say he's your key man if he is fit? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I'd, I'd say as well as Tony, you've got Norgard and Rico Henry who are probably our st standout players. And, and Ethan Pinnock, you know... It, uh, on normal form is absolutely outstanding as well. Uh, but if if Norgard is back, he'll probably come in for Jan Elt, I'd have thought. Uh, you can see our Wolves line-up there. Uh, for the audio listeners, it's pretty much the same uh, line-up as what started against Leicester, apart from Samada back in for Johnny. What's happened to Johnny Castro-Otto, Tom, this season? It's not playing well enough. <laughs> um Mate, I, we can pick out Johnny individually, but I think collectively, bar one or two, you could go across the whole squad and say they've underperformed. But I think Johnny in particular is probably because, you know, a couple of years, a year or two ago, he was, you know, he was absolutely stellar for us, wasn't he? Um, what's what's happened to him? It could be confidence coming back, you know, coming back from an injury, confidence running the team, not belief in the system. Hey, you know, some some players need a good run of games to kind of get get their form up. But in the, you know, if you know against the game against Leicester, you know, again it was a wonder strike for the first goal, but you know, leading to the free quick, he got tore apart for the second goal with not tracking the runner. So arguably, there's two goals in the Premiership. That's the game done. Now I'm not single-handedly blaming Johnny, but he's he's been quite drastic in terms of the performances and how he's dropped off. But again, coming back coming back from an injury, having such a, a squad that's 
quite poor in my opinion. Sometimes you weigh heavily on players that perform for you in the past that might be thrown in too soon. So, you know, you're second guessing, but there's certainly been one hell of a drop off in form for him, but arguably quite a few of the others too, right? Uh, Boda Safer in the comment section. If uh, Jean Martinho is dropped for Bubakar Traore and we start Samado instead of a two times ACL sufferer, I think we will win 2 0. What's Boda been drinking tonight, uh, Josh, to suggest that Wolves could win a game by the, by two goals? I want to know where he's got the idea that we're going to score two goals from. You know, he must be. Oh, he's got a long weekend. There's something coming up because, <laughs> dear me, mate, look, where are you getting that from? I mean, like, just looking at the team now, as much as this might sound like really controversial, at what point do we just go and you put like Huang in? Because I think you're going to need runners, you're going to need to match the runners in Brentford's team. Laura is going to outrun and outwork you. At what point do you go, well, Pedence's out of form as much as I love the guy, Adama's Adama. Obviously, Costa, okay, Huang might come in anyway through, you know, through um, if Costa's injured. But you look and just go, you know, it's going to be a game where we need to run, going to have to work off the ball. And you just go, well, put Huang in because at this point, what you got to lose? We're losing with our best players. We're not chucking our crap players and see if we'll lose. <laughs> That's it. I, I made this comment the other day about our, our so-called better players. If Wolves do get relegated, their, uh, their agent, Jorge Mendes, will have moves orchestrated as soon as the final whistle goes and confirms our relegation, won't they? Let's get positive for a second, Eddie. Let's talk a bit a little bit about Hugo Bueno. Yeah, I thought you I thought you might mention Bueno when you're talking about positives. I mean he's had a he's had a great he's had a great last couple of games, hasn't he? Obviously an assist on his debut um was fantastic. And uh and it was the right decision um to to pick him, you know, against Leicester again. And he, he was the best player. Uh, on the uh, for, for certainly from Wolves' perspective, out there. So I'd love to see him start on Saturday against Brentford, um, and uh, yeah, and Hodge as well getting his getting his debut. That was great to see. You know, so there are the, there are a few positives with the young lads coming in. Um, James Storer got a got a signed his first professional contract today as well. I just saw Wolves announce that. So you know, there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel um, when it comes to the the, the players coming through. Lewis, tell about tell us about your uh, right winger De Silva. From if my memory is correct, I think he had a bit of a fortunate goal against Man United. But tell us a bit more about the guy. He's <clears throat> he, he's had a frustrating time when when we went up in the Championship. He was really really outstanding, and everyone thought he was going to take to the Premier. You know, if, we're obviously apprehensive, but we thought he was one player who, along with Tony, probably was going to fit quite comfortably into uh, playing at a higher level. Uh, he had a really bad injury, so didn't start last season at all. And he was just back for, I think, maybe one game before we played you at home. And if you remember, he got sent off in that game, uh, straight red, which kind of killed us off, really. That and the drone, I think, combined to, to make it really an awful afternoon. And he's he's been back. Uh, he he his first start was as sub in the first game of the season away at, at uh, Leicester, and he scored an absolute fantastic left foot curl, a real trademark goal from him. You know, cutting in from the right, curled it round the keeper, and we all thought Josh is back. 
And actually, his performances since have been, yeah, you're quite right. He got a lucky goal against Man United. He played quite well against them, but he's it's difficult to know whether it was a bad injury he had, you know, and he was out for a long time. It's difficult to know whether uh, he's just kind of maybe working his way back gradually or whether actually that injury has, has seriously like harmed him as a, as a player. Uh, so the jury's out, really. He's been he's been on the bench more often than starting uh, this season, but you always feel with him he's like one game away from recapturing it and really going on 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 a good run. He's he's a very powerful runner with the ball. The ball kind of sticks to his foot, and and he's so strong that people can't can't dispossess him. Uh, and normally he uses the ball really well as well. He doesn't do a whole lot of defensive work. That's, yeah, that that's certainly question, a weakness uh, in this game. But, that was uh, my next question, Lewis, because I think Christian Oyer isn't going to be a fullback that bombards forward a lot, is he? So that no. sort of battle up on the obviously the right and our left, Hugo Bueno, and if it's maybe Podence or Huang, or I, I don't know, if even if they have to crowbar Steve Frog back for all I know, it's going to be a battle on Saturday. But what's... Um, Josh De Silva like in regards to sort of tracking back you say it's not one of his best no attributes. doesn't come naturally to him at all he doesn't he doesn't really like a challenge either to be honest uh, Aya you're quite right he's not going to be causing the same problems on the right that I expect Rico Henry will be on the left and I think at the moment and Aya was shocking against Villa uh, so but without Hickey, we haven't really got any other options uh, at right back because the wing back on Sunday, Roseleff, was even worse. So so I don't think Roseleff will feature. I think it will be Ayer. He's actually more of a centre back than he is uh, a, uh, a right back, but he can play either. But I think that's where you might get a little bit of joy, actually, on down your left if you've got some strong players there. Uh, we're, we're certainly stronger left-hand side. If you look right, you know, me is a good player. He might be left, he might be right with Pinnock. They're both left-footed. Uh, they're both very good players. Henry, as I've said, is really strong. And Damsgaard, you know, everyone knows what a talent he is from, you know, watching him in the Euros for Denmark. He absolutely took that tournament by storm, but he's not really acclimatised very well yet. Uh, so, but I still think we're going to be stronger down the left than the right. What's the uh, the battle between uh, Adama and Rico Henry looking like for you, Tom? Mate, I don't. I sound like negative Nelly on this podcast because, it, <laughs> well, going forward, absolutely, you know, potentially, you know, it's Adama. He's a little bottle of pop. Could pull, you know, could pull something out of the bag, but let's not be expecting him to track back in any way. So let's hopefully Henry doesn't actually go forward because Adama is pretty much glued to the halfway line against uh, against Leicester. Um, but I think, like, look, I think collectively, even across the whole of the team, if I was looking to this game, we just need to go back to extreme basics. Let's not overplay. Let's keep it really compact. Let's treat Brentford with a high level, massive level of respect, and not think that we're grandiose because we're, we're we're really in the uh, really in dire straits at the moment. Try to try to keep the space between the lines as small as we can. But hopefully, a Dharma, you know, can pull something can pull something out of the bag because when you look at a team, when I'm looking through the line and the 
uh, you know, the rest of the players and who's actually got something in their kit bag at the moment to do something because Adama is so unpredictable. Maybe you can if we keep it tight. Don't concede. Lord knows how. Then maybe we could squeeze a one nil. But apart from that, I'm struggling. It's another massive game. What was your thoughts um, to a few people we've had in the comments section? Josh about reverting back to a back five. I, I don't see it myself. I really don't. I mean, that's what the clamour for it is. We don't score enough goals as it is, and you want us to reduce our chances even more. The only thing I could say in defence, I mean, don't forget we've only got three centrals, and, you know, obviously the problems that come with that. I, I also think the only thing I'd say in favour of it would potentially be enable the wing backs to push further. But, I mean, you look at like, Take it to like a Bruno system last season. Like, Semedo's not going to get you many goals or assists. Obviously, Breno's a bit different. He might, but I don't know. I, I don't see it myself. You know, I feel like that we've done that one there. We've done that far over the back. It's not going to get that bad again. Just stick with a four. You might as well. What's your thoughts on this comment from Ed Marshall? Uh, Eddie, I dropped Diego Costa even if he's fit. I'm less than impressed. I think it's the it's just a case of who's who's coming in who's coming in instead. That's the thing, really. And I actually I actually quite I actually think Hwang, um, you know, has been playing okay this season. I know he's been he's been really suffering thanks to the uh that Newcastle game. Clearance against Newcastle. Yeah, I know I know that was obviously not not a good decision by him and it and it cost arguably cost us the result. But um, you know, what he what he'll do is he'll work hard. He'll work hard for you. Um and you know, at some point, you've got to think about what the system, either at the club or the coaching or in terms of, you know, the people at the top, you know, we're bringing in players like Wang or like Guedes or even a few years ago, William Jose, that were scoring, you know, 10, 15 goals a season for their clubs, respectively. And they come to Wolves and they can't do anything at all. And, and why is that really? You know what? What's the reason behind that? So it's something something to think about as well. Thanks to everyone who's joined us tonight on the Wolves Fancast match preview. Uh, the the five thousand live viewers. I mean, I know it's only fifty. It gives me a bit of an ego boost. Um, drop a quick like in the bottom left if you think Wolves can pick up a result. Uh, drop us a comment if you think Jeff Shear is an absolute idiot and needs to leave before the weekend. We're going to come to the worst part of the show, which I hate doing, is the score prediction time. I'm going to come to our guest first, Lewis. What, uh, what's your thoughts for Saturday? Brentford at home against the second worst team in the form table, Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm putting words in your mouth here, Lewis. I need you to, I need you to go viral with a, a big prediction, which hopefully goes wrong. Yeah, 1-0 Brentford. We, we would settle for that. You're, you're having problems scoring, as is obviously worrying you. Uh, we'll we'll just go for like a scrappy one nil. I think we need to get uh, get some points back on the board. Uh, come to you, Tom. First uh, appearance on the Wolves Fancast match preview. What's your feelings Saturday? Brentford three o'clock. Uh, unequivocally three nil Brentford. Brace from Tony and Wemo from outside the box. That's your bet builder. Get it on ten quid. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. This is why I brought Tom on tonight. We need more negativity within the fan base. We need Jeffrey out by Sunday morning. It's too far gone now. The fish rots from the head. He needs to go. We need to let 
loose, the Mendes muzzle that is gripped within our club. It's time for a change. Josh, what's your score prediction? Well, Lewis said uh, Brentford, you know, he take, they take 1-0 Brentford. I would take 1-0 Brentford, to be fair. Uh, but my realistic, hmm, let's, be, let's be optimistic, 1-1. Uh, <laughs> a one score draw Peter Yam Yam 54 says thanks lads she is a knobhead draw if we are very very lucky uh, Ethan L it's time to go I'm hoping that's directed at Jeff She like I said a minute ago I hope it's not the end of the show Eddie I'm going to come to you with your score prediction and then we'll finish off with your kick quiz thanks mate I mean one we can't say Josh, we can't say 1-1 one, one optimistic. Come on. Wolves win is <laughs> optimism. We've got to have some optimism. I'm what about Bueno? Bueno getting That's forward. That's been delusional. Let's have, let's say, bueno <laughs> gets sweet, wraps his left foot, beats a man, bursting forward. Come on. We've got to say 1-0 Wolves is optimism for me. I mean, 2-0 Wolves is ridiculous. So 1-0 Wolves I'll go with. Would, uh, would, you, would you take a, a point... Uh, a really ugly nil-nil, Tom, surely. Oh, would I take it? Oh, mate, I'd take it and I'll be out the door down the road quicker than a sticker, I'm telling you. Yeah, we're terrible. Absolutely. Nil-nil, away at Brentford. Core cool, blimey, absolutely. That's the only chance that we've got at the moment with how poor we are. Try and get any points on the road we can somehow try and turn Molyneux, I'm saying to a fortress, I mean... I mean, it's probably the opposite of that right now, but you've got to, absolutely. One point, let's just get a point on the board, try and build, try and get the wheels in motion. Yeah, I'll take that in a heartbeat. It is literally all about points at the moment, isn't it? Even a bad a bad performance and a draw is literally, uh, it would be heaven sent at the moment, wouldn't it? Lewis, uh, thanks for joining us tonight on the Wolves Fancast uh, match preview. Obviously tell people where to follow Besotted. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what the, it's besotted.com basically. Uh, thank, thanks a lot for having me on, fellas. And if you're coming down for the game, pop into the Globe. Uh, 15 minute walk from the ground, there'll be a load of us in there before the game. So I uh, look forward to, to welcoming you to uh, New Griffin Park. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think I was in and cheer I'm up. Sure I was in the, the Globe and the uh, the Gunnersbury Arms when we came earlier on in the year. It was probably one of my yeah. it was probably my second favourite away day after the uh the three two comeback at Aston Villa. Thanks for coming on, Lewis. Uh, okay, enjoy no your Sunday and have an okay Saturday. <laughs> okay, cheers. Take care, thank you. Right. As I said earlier, uh, thanks for joining us on the Wars Fancast Match Preview, uh, a part of the 90min.com football network and our main sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. On tonight's episode, obviously, we got Eddie back and on the previous episode, he uh, provided us with a kick quiz. Obviously, at, football, at Wolves Shirts on Twitter, Eddie, and at Wolves Football Shirts on Instagram. Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, um, yeah, been a shirt collector for about about um, four years now, and uh, sort of COVID happened, and then <clears throat> I think a lot of us kind of uh, you know kicked it up a notch then and went a bit into a sort of um, <clears throat> shirt shirt paradise. That's only what I call my spare room now, which has got all the old shirts in them. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed running the quiz last time, and I thought that I got a bit of feedback. It was a bit hard. It's a funny thing you forget as a as a shirt collector that. 
that normal football fans don't know that much about football shirts and why would they other than the few they might have in the in the cupboard you know um so uh, i'll try and i'll try and make it i've got multiple i've got multiple choice pictures i've tried to get it a bit simpler we'll get some more points on the board so that's the idea that's it we'll come to question one uh eddie in just a second just try and be a bit helpful to our audio listeners here is question one yes i will describe it so um question one so i thought i'd do a quiz tonight all about in honor of um hugo bueno's excellent debut um uh, assist against palace and uh and hodge as well coming through i thought i'd do a, a quiz all about um debuts really about um famous players or just famous debuts and the shirts that they wore um so the first um we are going back to the 80s for the first four shirts you can see in front of you. Let um, me just jump the... in for a, qu- a quick second, um, Eddie. When we, what year were you born, Josh? 2002, mate. You said before my time. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with this one. You know, come on, boys. <laughs> we're trying to do something. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. So this is these are all shirts of my lifetime, though, having been born in uh, 19, 1985, just about. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're going back to the 80s. For people listening at home, we're looking at uh, store distribution, home and away shirt, and Amanda's paint and ink, home and away shirt. And the question really is about Steve Ball. Okay. Um, Steve Ball made his debut in the 80s in a quite disappointing 3-0 defeat against uh, Wrexham. But what shirt did Steve Bull wear on his debut? A, B, C, or D. I'm gonna you're gonna have to score yourselves, by the way, lads. Score yourselves, and if you're listening or watching at home, score yourself. I didn't do very well with the scoring last time, so See, keep a track of your answers scores. in the comment sections, guys, for those who are joining us live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, who are you going to first? I'll, I'll go with. I'm gonna go with D as my first answer. Uh, Josh. I'm going to go with D as well. D as well. Tommy? I'm going A, mate. Well, start. great start for Tommy. One point for Tommy. Uh, uh, very good. Yes, uh, he start, And it wasn't actually a shirt exactly like that. He wore long sleeves, interesting enough, I believe, on his debut. He only wore one sleeves, long sleeves once or twice at the very, very start of his career. And ever since then, only ever wore short sleeves, even on the cold days. Uh, but yeah, the store distribution. And there's a bonus point. Would anyone like to tell me what year he made his debut? 86. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh. Bingo. Spot on. One point for Dan. 86. Yeah. November, <laughs> November uh, 1986. Well done, Dan. My logic for D was Wrexham probably playing red. Oh, and that, yeah. I went with D on that basis. And well, it's the, the shirt I've got on now. So I was like, yeah, I'll just guess with that. <laughs> yeah exactly the same yeah so that the one you've got was inspired by yeah inspired by this one this one behind me the uh okay, the 1989 away uh, but yeah a few years a few years later uh, that one anyway but yeah good start one point to tommy one point to dan uh let's move on uh question two is more not such a famous player but certainly a famous debut so i don't know if you'll have remembered probably not in your lifetime sorry josh uh darren roberts who was uh, a player we signed um from the lower leagues english striker who had a tremendous debut against birmingham uh where he scored a hat-trick in a 4-0 win um, i love how josh said who then <laughs> in, in, uh, i'm what, gonna give you the year this time 
1992. Uh, but which shirt, which shirt did Darren Roberts wear? And I'm going to go to you first, Josh. 1992. Aye. It's gone with A. Tommy? Was it home or away? Sorry. I, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't said. I can't say oh. that. So we'd Ooh. be giving too much information. Mm. Let's go D. And we're going to Dan. I'm going to go with C. Oh, another point for Dan. Well done. Oh. Yeah, it was the, the classic tyre mark. Um, a good year shirt that he, yeah, in a very rare televised game against the Birmingham away, um, he banged that hat trick in. A bonus point. This is tough. Bonus point. If you could tell me the club we signed him from, it's tough. In the lower leagues, surely. <laughs> it's hard. This oh, is hard. If anyone gets this in the. Northampton. If anyone gets this in the comment section, I'd be I'd be amazed. Uh, it was uh, Burton Albion. Um, so tough. He scored three goals that that game. He only scored five goals the entire season. So <laughs> an amazing debut. But then sadly, I think he was billed as the next bully as every single striker we had um, was. But no, couldn't didn't live up to that one. Um, right, question three. Moving on. Dan, I think, is in the lead, but you're keeping track of your own scores. Yeah, question three. Big, big debut here. We're moving forward to 1997. Um, I already to know. Robbie Keane, who scored a brace, famously, on his debut against Norwich. But what shirt did Robbie wear? I'm going to start with Tommy first. I'll go B, mate. Uh, Dan? B. Josh? B. Oh, Josh! Very, very good, boys. <laughs> yeah, Josh, not having that. One point, one, one point all round. Yeah, very, very good. And a bonus point. Um, you know, had a year before for the Wolves um, Academy, but bonus point, maybe a tough one. Where did we sign him from? Does anyone know what team we signed him from, from Ireland? Cool. Mm, I'll just guess at Dundalk. Just tough. Crumlin United. Again, oh, oh, imp- impressed if anyone's in the comments section is coming in with that one. A toughie. Um, but yeah, one point all round, Rodden well boys. Uh, Martin W in the comments section. I was there. We'll take your word for it, Martin. You're showing your age. <laughs> right, what, a game, what a game to be at. And if, if I'm, if, was I correct in saying this, Eddie, that Robbie Keane was number eight that day? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he wasn't his wasn't his normal number ten. Certainly number eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Question four. Yeah, I thought I'd go goalkeepers, uh, and I'm repping uh, repping one of those shirts right now. Uh, we're moving forward into the late nineties with Michael Oakes, uh, of course, who we signed from Aston Villa, um, who made his debut in a one 0 defeat against Tranmere. But what shirt did he wear? And we're going to start with Dan. I'm going to go with C. Josh? I'll go with B. And Tommy? I can picture him in them all. Did he wear them all? I'm going to I go... don't think he wore A or B, did he? Uh, I'm, going to go for... I'm going to go A. You're going to go A. Dan? Very good knowledge from Dan. No, I don't think he wore A or B. C was the one that he would have wore on that day. Um, and There's uh, a great yeah. urban myth about Michael Oakes having a bigger cock than Dion Dublin. 
Uh, maybe that's the moment that's going to go viral, Dan. Thanks for that. That's it. Uh, <laughs> have, you got, have you got a bonus question for this round? Uh, uh, oh, bonus point. Oh, how big uh, is the cock? Yeah. Oh, oh, I was told you to strap it round his, his leg. It was that big. How many inches is... My, no. Uh, 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 no, let's move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. I can't, I can't top that one, Dan. We'll move on. It might have been a fact, but I, I was told it was a myth. <laughs> Uh, What's the bonus question? Oh, I, want, I want to run away with this because I want to have more points by than walls by the end of this quiz. Go on then. What what year? Bonus point. What year? What year was his uh, debut? That's the bonus one. Shout it out. He, Michael Oakes' his debut. Michael sorry. Oakes. Yeah. What year? Ninety nine. Ninety seven. Ninety eight. It was ninety nine. Dan. Dan gets it again. Another point for Dan. He is. He is running away with it. Encyclopedia, oh, there's a reason I do this. Uh, I know all about Michael Oakes's cocks and <laughs> goalkeeping, co- uh, goalkeeping cocks from the 1990s. <laughs> Question five, Eddie. <laughs> right, almost so loud. Two questions to go. Uh, yeah, I thought we'd move forward to um, the a nice one in the early noughties and uh, a player who was quite important for another club before he came to us, Dennis Irwin. Um, oh who started the season with a nil-nil draw. Um, and I won't say who against, but what shirt did Dennis Irwin wear? I think it's time to start with Josh. So, Josh, what was his debut shirt for Wolves? I was hoping he was going to say, like, who was playing in that moment. I'll go for C. Tommy? Well, I would have. I was about to go for B, but then Dan started nodding, and Dan seems to know absolutely, <laughs> absolutely everything. <laughs> so, do I stick to my? I'm going to still go B. Just think that Dan was bluffing, but it'll end up being C now. B. Dan, uh, I believe it was C. Uh, a nil-nil away trip to Bradford on Sky TV. Amazing! Very good. You know what no, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm That's one here for lads. That's what I'm here for. He's even got the bonus. Michael cock and Dennis Irwin's debut. That's what I'm here for. You need to get out. Drop a like in, drop a like in the bottom left of your screen if you're impressed with my knowledge on Michael Oak's cock tonight. Uh, very good, Dan. Yeah, and Bradford as well. Yeah, was in the comment section, Doritos kits were so good. That was, yeah, oh, yeah, wonderful shirts. Yeah, no, uh, but that was the... Um, that was the that was the bonus point. Uh, Paul Ince didn't even feature that day. Wasn't fit apparently. So there we go. Maybe he had a little tear in his ACL. We thought we wouldn't get him out there. If only we could have learned those lessons twenty years ago. Have I, have I, are you telling me I answered the bonus question before the question? Yeah, you've got there, mate. You've done it. What I'm here for, lads. Question six. <laughs> right, la- last one, lads. Moving forward to one of my favourite players, um, Deadly Dave, Dave Edwards. Um, so we are we we've gone forward to 2008 and a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe. And what shirt did Dave Edwards start with on his debut? And I think we're starting with is it Tommy or Dan to start? Is it Dan, I think it might be back to you, Dan. I think let's give it to Dan. He's ahead. Dan, what? Where are we going? Just run the uh, question by me one more time. So Dave Edwards debut yeah 2008 scunnerthorpe yeah. name yeah. shirt. say josh d tommy 
if I'd gone first, genuinely, I would have gone to C. I'm not just copying uh, the ordinary article, but I reckon C. Uh, no points there, lads. It was it was A. A. Oh, um, I get yeah, the mixed rank. Right. The, the C was the promotion winning shirt, but A was the season before. So yeah, we wore C in 2008, but but obviously in August of 2008, yeah, that was our 0809, the two at the bottom, like you say, the promotion winning uh, champion season under under Mick. Uh, bonus point, uh, another um, very significant player for Wolves started that day, well, uh, made his debut that day with Dave Edwards and scored. Dave Edwards scored and another player scored as well, who made his debut for Wolves in 2008. Who could you name that player? Yeah, there we go. Bang, bang on. Bonus point for you. You got one. <laughs> He's gone in there with a big Seb call. Uh, yeah, that <clears throat> that was it though, lads. That's your that's your kit quiz. Well played. I think a round of applause for Dan. Yeah, run away with it, lads. You gotta you gotta stick with me, lads. I'm here till the end of the season. Jeff Shea will not last the end of the season as chairman of this football club. This football club. If I've got anything to say, we do with it. Any disagreement there? If, if is anyone still pro Fosun within the Wolves fan base? Make yourself known. <laughs> the silence is deafening. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on the Wolves Fancast match preview tonight, along with Eddie, Josh, and Tom. I was going to try and um, crowbar in a music uh, song at the end. We're plugging uh, local Midlands band, The Assist, on this week's preview show. You can find their latest single, Better Days, on our um, Twitter page. They're playing the O2 Institute in November alongside uh, previous music guests, Rosa Calum and Madama. Check them out. It's a really good band. Their uh, album, Council Pop and their latest track, Better Days, were double winners at the Birmingham Music Awards for Best Album and Song. And I'm going to end tonight's show with, I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope we can pick up a minimum of one point. But at the end of the day, things can't get much worse, or can they? Good night. And thanks for following the Wolves Fancast. We'll see you, hopefully, on Sunday. We have a post-match podcast to go through life and tribulations of, of a Wolves fan. <laughs> Take care, everyone. And remember, Michael Oakes' cock is massive. <laughs> <laughs> you!